Welcome to a special edition of Run This World. I'm your host, Nicole DeBoom. You're about to listen to an episode in the 10-part Touched by Suicide series. Trigger warning, this episode may include discussions about suicide, mental illness, substance abuse, and self-harm. If these topics are sensitive to you, proceed with caution. It may also contain strong language and is intended for an adult audience. If you are feeling suicidal, thinking about hurting yourself, or are concerned that someone you know may be in danger of hurting themselves, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. The hotline is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and is staffed by certified crisis response professionals. Please be sure to share this podcast with anyone who needs to hear it right now. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the epilogue of the Touched by Suicide series. I'm your host, Nicole DeBoom, joined today by the series founder, Jean Milano, and our narrator, Michael Lovato. Our goal today is to bring some closure to the series by having a group conversation about what we learned through the process of creating this incredible and powerful podcast. Gene and Michael, thanks for joining me. Love to be here. Love to be here, Gene. It's a pleasure to be here seeing you. We're all on Zoom. Nicole, thank you so much for putting this together. You know, we need it. We all need a little closure. We all learned a lot. And uh, I think our listeners uh, will also benefit from hearing what we on the inside came away with. And I think we should actually kick it off by commemorating the amazing man who inspired the series, Steve Tarpinian. Gene, as his surviving partner, how about you open it up with some thoughts about Steve and what made you reach out to suggest this project in the first place? I've always thought that Steve's hand was guiding me because I think I said in my interview that Steve always wanted to help people because he, he, when he, became, he became a lifeguard. He studied to be an FDNY person um, and he was a coach. He just wanted to help people. And I think now that he's gone, my telling of his story is hopefully helping people, you know, get through what they're dealing with. Yeah, I, it's, it's Steve was guiding me. It's like, I'm thinking, what do I do now? I don't know what, because I did the book and I was a C student in college in English composition. I never published anything before. And I did that and I did a blog and I did the website and I did the Facebook tribute page and now the podcast. What's next? Well, and I mean, I think it speaks to the fact that Steve is still very much alive to you in your life. And, and you needed to keep doing this work. There was something greater at play here, right? I hope so. Yeah, I really think so. And what's funny too, and Michael, I don't know if you know this, but when Jean first reached out, I had just launched a business that was like an interview business. And she was like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, something is, you know, as you just said, forcing me and telling me I've got to, I've got to put something else out there and I'm going to do it through a podcast. And so we were like, okay, we'll do one podcast. We'll do a podcast show. Well, look what happened. <laughs> a huge series. And we did in such a short amount of time. It's such a short amount of time. But every single person that I interviewed from a different perspective of suicide, their conversations were just so powerful and important that 
mm-hmm. we, we talked about it and we couldn't just pull one little piece out from each one. Right. Yeah. So it's definitely, um, it's become a thing much bigger than we thought it would be. And what's cool about podcasts is that this thing is going to live on indefinitely. (laughs) So, you know, Michael, when we asked you to help narrate the series, how did you feel about that? Oh, wow. So uh, just to kind of close the loop on what you said, I just have to mention like, you, you know, this podcast, it went big. Uh, from a small idea, not unlike Steve, because I feel like Steve did everything in that way, right? Maybe a small idea uh, goes big. And it's it's so apropos, I think, to just to make mention of that. And, you know, I, I get emo- I get emotional pretty easily, but I certainly get emotional talking about Steve. And when you, you know, when you reached out, uh, when Gene and you, you guys said, hey, would you like to be involved? Immediately, I thought, well, gosh, you know, this was a man that I felt very, very close to, although we were not close. And so I felt a very a strong connection to him. He's, it's like, he's kind of, uh, you know, like one of my soul pack, you know? And so, so when you, my first reaction was, oh my gosh, can I do it? Like, can I even sit through an interview and, and, and uh, tell stories about Steve and, and, and not break down emotionally. And then I thought, this is amazing because as we just said, Steve's, um, Steve's legacy while he was here, his legacy when he's gone is helping. And, and, and it's, it was super touching to me to say, you know what, I'm going to grow immensely through this experience, which is a key. That's what I want. And I'm going to learn a lot and I'm going to be able to help touch. So it's almost like Steve kind of tagged me for a relay, right? Said, take over a little bit, little portion of this. And so that, that's how I felt in, in kind of a long answer. God, that's so heartwarming. And you know, what we were looking for was another voice to also be in this series to kind of ground it, but somebody who had that kind of connection to Steve. And so, and you know what, Michael, you are very special, but I've got to say, there's a lot of people who had that connection to Steve. <laughs> oh, for sure. I know. And you know what, but that's, that's, and that's why, um, that's why I also, cause it, it was, this, we weren't close and that's the thing of it. He was close to a lot of people and that bond was massive. And so again, it's, it's, he was that person. He touched that many people through probably a grocery store encounter to guiding them through their first two triathlons, Ironmans, all that. I mean, that that's that's amazing. And I'm happy to be a small piece of that. Yeah. I love the quote, Michael, that you gave for the book where you, where you came upon Steve and you were doing, you were just there resting. It was in Lake Placid and Steve was doing the, tri- the Monday night triathlon after he had done the Ironman the day before. Correct. Correct. Great, yes. Never forget that. that. Steve. Yes. And, and just uh, kind of to share the, the, my, my, the bullet point of that, I, I, I never forget. I was riding my bicycle kind of easy, obviously. No, not really. I was riding as hard as I could. And he passed me in the triathlon. And I said, and I caught up to him and I said, Steve, what on earth are you doing? You did the Ironman yesterday. He had done, I think every Lake Placid at that point. Yeah. And he said, well, there's a perfectly good triathlon here. So why not do it? It's a cool down. And I thought it's just, this is just, it was such a, a moment. And I said, well, Steve, I can't keep going this pace. So I'll see you later. <laughs> and, uh, it was a great, great moment though, out there on the roads. Yeah. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, Steve definitely elicited emotion in people and he helped people tap into themselves. And, you know, mm-hmm. when you lose someone like Steve in losing Steve, Gene, when you lost Steve, it elicited so many emotions in you. Yeah. Oh, I mean, and and still, it still does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you want to share any bit of your journey as you came out the other side? I I tell you, I, a lot of things came up in this process and I've kind of relived it. It's like, 
Oh, God. And the seventh anniversary of Steve's death is the 15th, which is a week from, when is that? It's a week from tomorrow? Today. From today? Week from today. Yeah, so I'm very weepy, and I'm just, it's, it was tough. But there were some things that I really did get out of it. Listening to Adam Sud, where he said suicide is not about trying to end their life. It's about someone trying to end their pain. And no true words have been spoken. I kind of knew that about Steve, that he was suffering immensely. But hearing Adam say that really reinforced it, that this is, and most people don't know what mental anguish is. We understand physical pain, like you touch a hot stove or you cut yourself. So people can relate to that, but people can't relate to mental mental pain. And, uh, you know, that was one thing that, that Adam, he really reinforced it when he said that. And um, the other thing is that people, I, I look back when Steve died and just people acted really strange and many of them hurt me in terms of how they reacted to me or what they said. And I realize now that they were just dealing with their own grief. They didn't know, they didn't know how to deal with it. They, they have to deal with the grief in their own way. And I can't, everybody has to know that, that the people do grieve in their own way. It doesn't necessarily mean the same way as you. So that was something that I got out of that. And somebody actually said something to me, like he, he had really wished he'd reached out to me more after Steve died, but he just couldn't, he couldn't grasp the fact that Steve wasn't here excuse me, Steve wasn't here anymore. Um, the other thing that hit me was Kevin Hines' interview where he said, as soon as his hand left the railing, he said, oh my God, what did, what did I do? And he had instant regret. And I often wonder if Steve had that same thing just before he died. Did he think that I really shouldn't be doing this or I don't want to do this and it was too late? It's, it's a frightening thought, it really is. And, you know, it's the other thing I learned was all the people that reached out, that Steve reached out to, that I didn't know about a few weeks, a few months before he died, people he normally didn't contact, he was close with. But that came out in some of the interviews too. And that freaked me out that, you know, he did reach out to people before, almost as if to say goodbye or clean, clean up his side of the fence if there was an issue. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things where like, if you had all been in communication and talking, you might've put those puzzle pieces together and said, yeah. oh, he's, you know, closing up loose ends or whatever. But how would you ever know that? And that's one of the hardest things is that when mm -hmm. people are moving forward with their suicidal tendencies that they, the warning signs go missed partly because you can't possibly track them all and you right. don't know what to look for, you know? So, you know, one of, I think this would be a great time for all of us to continue just sharing like Throughout this project, what surprised you the most? What did you learn along the way? Jean, you just shared a whole bunch of different thoughts. Michael, what, what about you? What surprised you the most about this project? You know, the, 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 I, think one, I think one thing that really, that really impacted me was, and what, why I didn't write notes about this, I'm not sure, because I, I could I cough at the knees, but... Um, you know, you, you look at a so the mother and father lost their son on the second attempt. So when I look at this and I say, okay, they, they went from one side, they, they were suicide survivals are, they went from um, utter shame and embarrassment at the attempt to where they hid everything they possibly could. And I think this one really was very impactful because then as soon as, there was a successful suicide that they, they success. I don't think that's, that's correct terminology, but, but like when he did um, uh, die, they were, it was the actual opposite end of the pendulum. They were, they had to tell everyone. And it was not just when I remember the idea, 
we cannot bear to keep the secret anymore. We have to tell everyone it's been just so crippling to keep the secret. To me, that was just, it really encapsulated everything where that, that, that right there, it's, it's another reason. So not just for the sufferer or the person that is, that is contemplating or, or ultimately committing suicide, but on the other side, the law survivor, they need that relief. Everybody needs to talk about this more is, is what, what, what I, I heard from that is, we need to make this a normal conversation. And, yeah. and I just felt like that, that piece was just very powerful. Yeah, it was. Ruth's story is just, it's so hard to listen to. I mean, that's another thing. Every single episode is hard. Like you mm-hmm. don't just go on a podcast and be like, hey, let me get some light listening. I'm going to listen to the Touched by Suicide series. If you're listening, you're there because of a reason because you yourself are suffering or you know someone's suffering or you're a survivor either from your own attempt or somebody you love. And it's tough. It's heavy. It's hard, but it's so important. Like hearing Ruth's story, she was the, I think the first interview we put up and as a mom, I related in such a huge way because she had no idea that her son, Jonathan was potentially going to attempt to take his own life until she found him after Mm -hmm. his first attempt, like no idea. And Gene, you have many times said that about Steve. Yeah. No idea. He, he had it all right. Quote, had it all looks smart, visionary, intelligent. He was an electrical engineer. He was a great, great athlete, great coach. Moderately good singer. Moderately good singer, Gene. We've got a YouTube series, everybody. We'll put a link in the show notes. You know, one of the things that surprised me the most was how many people are in this club. And it is just not a club you can be in. The first time I posted that we were doing this project, I put it out there publicly. And so many people reached out. And many of them privately because they didn't want to say out loud that their uncle took his life or whatever. Um, but way too many people are in this club who have a loved one or someone close to them who has died by suicide. It's amazing. Once one person starts a conversation, then people will jump in. They feel comfortable talking about it because it's been brought out. Because I've had many people come up to me that say now that they can actually talk about the, the cause of their loved one's death. Well, yeah. And it goes back to what, Michael, you had just said about Ruth, how when you make a decision to hide it and Gene, what you your first gut reaction when Steve died was to tell the newspaper not to print it. Right. right? Yeah. I propagated the stigma with my silence. Well, and, and Gene, that's I mean, that is what we're trying to change because that's 100 percent normal. That's what we that's our first reaction. And we want right. to make that the the if it's normal, we want to make the step to the right where you say, no, this is something that we have to share. Right. Um, that's I will tell you, um, I've had many people reach out. I know we all have one of one of them is this amazing man. Um, in the Boulder area, his name is Tommy Thomas, and his beautiful daughter uh, killed herself at the end of last year. Mm. And she went to Fairview High School in Colorado. And the high school emailed him or sent him a note and said, here's what we're planning to say about her death, that she died at home or something kind of bland. 
And he wrote them back and his gut reaction was exactly the opposite of yours, Gene. And what so many people do, he said, no, you can't, you have to say that she took her own life. Yeah. And I, I'm almost crying just saying it because, you know, it's hard to think about somebody. That's the thing about this project. You can barely put yourself in the shoes of somebody like Eugene for more than two minutes before it's too hard to think about. But the more we talk about it, maybe there's some kids at Fairview High School who are suffering, who by hearing this may, may have the courage to reach out so they don't go down her path, right? Yeah, and it's like they say things like, and we heard it in several of the podcast episodes, that um, people, they just think the world would be better off without them, the people that take their own lives. And Steve said that many times. And how could that be? Yeah. I, you know, well, hopefully by tagging the relay, I mean, Gene, he's like, Steve's not gone. <laughs> you know, yeah. we don't get to hug him, but he's not gone. I'll, I'll say this though, before I go down that road is tying into what you said, Nicole. And I, I agree with you. It's so painful. Um, here, here, we just saw this again, a pretty high profile. And this was the same exact thing with Katie Meyer and, and Stanford did the same thing. And they said this, that she passed away and her parents came right out to, to CNN or sports illustrator, people, whatever, to all the news outlets and said, look, no, she, she was suffering. She, she, this was the problem. She, she did quote unquote, have it all. And, and I think that is so hard, but so brilliant that they did that. And that, that will, there's no question that Tommy helped other Fairview students. There's no question. It had to, even if it's one, it had right. to. Right. I'll tell you that, that they had an experienced newscaster who interviewed the family of Katie Meyer and she was crying. Mm-hmm. I, get, I get choked up thinking about it. It was so sad. <laughs> mm. I know it is so sad. And, um, that's what makes it hard to talk about, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody so wants to say they couldn't, they couldn't listen to this. They didn't want to listen to it because it's too sad, but we have to, we have to put, I think we have to put ourselves through this to understand. Yeah. We and do. I, and yeah, I, I think, you know what, I, I'm a, I, I do this as well, but it, it's like, there's a, there's a war going on in Europe and right. We can just ignore it and it doesn't hurt. We can ignore suicide and it doesn't hurt, but that's not the right answer. So I think there's a, this is a perfect example. People need to look at it. And the more we look at it and share it and help people, the better we feel. If you feel, which I think all of us do, when you, when you lose someone, you feel helpless. Mm -hmm. The only, the only thing I know of to combat helplessness is being helpful. And I think that is, uh, that's, that's a message to share, You, you know, when you lose someone or if you're touched closely or, or, or indirectly by suicide, help someone. And, and that I, I really believe that this podcast is doing that. And, and these discussions are doing that. Yes, I, I do think so too. And, um, you know, we launched this by saying we wanted to try to understand if we thought progress was being made in terms of decreasing the stigma around suicide. What do you guys think? I think it is, it's, it still has a long way to go, but from when Steve died in 2015 to now, I mean, these high-profile high celebrities, their families are coming forward and saying that so-and-so died by suicide, like Chester Bennington, um, Kate Spade, Anthony Bourdain, all those names, and, you know, Katie Meyer, what her family is doing. It's like it's this, they're starting to talk about it, which is good. And that song by Logic, it's the title of the song is this, The Suicide Hotline. 800 whatever 
but that's the name of the song. So, mm-hmm. I mean, things are happening, but it still needs to be quicker. Yeah. Well, and go ahead, Michael. No, I mean, nobody, nobody likes to hurt. And so people don't go into it willingly. We don't jump into this. We don't choose to hurt, but it, when you know it's productive. So I think there's, I've seen progress in the last two years where it's more, it's a topic. And we, I brought this up offline where how many celebrities we do know have committed suicide versus the ones we may not know about in the eighties and nineties, two thousands. But there are people that died that more than likely, if we look back, that was the cause. So I think there's progress and, and certainly room to make more, but I think we're going the right way. Well, the other thing too, is like, it doesn't seem like suicide discriminates to a certain type of person. You know, I mean, Steve, he had it all. Katie Meyer, she had it all. Many of these celebrities we read about, we think they had it all. But on the flip side, we interviewed Adam Sud. He was in the depths of despair. He did not look like he had it all. Kevin Hines, he attempted um, and he was suffering from bipolar and other mental health disorders. And you know, it's, there is no type. That's the thing there. It doesn't discriminate. Anybody around you could be suffering with suicidal thoughts. Yeah. I I thought Adam said who, whose name I mispronounced and have to correct. uh, But he he, he was earlier called him sued. He, He was also a brilliant spokesperson because of what he's been through. His story was, um, I think very powerful. And I think it's going to impact a lot of people. All of the stories are and can, and, and people connect with different things, but his ability to express and his willingness to just really get in. And, and like you said, talk about how he had, he felt like he had nothing. He came from everything. He had nothing in the moment. He just felt so um, lost. I, I think he was extremely powerful. That was another impactful interview. I thought. Oh, they all were every yeah, they were also incredible. Mm-hmm. every interview. And, you know, our goal was to interview different perspectives, right? Mm-hmm. And we did, we hit on all kinds of different people who've been touched by suicide and they're all different on the other side. Um, I guess another, another thing to, to discuss a little bit is what, what you now know about suicide that you didn't know before the series. Anything stand out? Well, I mean, Gene, uh, yeah, I'll let you go first. I was going to say, I've been, I've been a suicide law survivor for almost seven years now. So I've been learning. It's been my journey. I mean, what I heard from the different people, it reinforced some of the things that I've discovered. Um, yeah, it's, it's been my life. You know, I, th- I, I, think, I think one of the things that I would piggyback on that is that there were things I'd heard before. I'd, I'd always heard, oh, it's, it's, it's a selfish act. No, it's not. Yeah. Well, explain that. I've heard, um, I've heard uh, th- this, they're trying to end suicide, someone trying to end their pain. I didn't really get it. You know, I think what I really learned was uh, I learned by example, perhaps, and hearing these people's stories, spelling out what each of that means and, and this selfishness, because it's like, well, wait a second, what does that mean? Well, now I get it. So I think if I were to succinctly say, but really it is, they, they feel like in that moment, they often, someone often feel like they're doing us a favor. Yeah. So they're, they're actually doing the opposite of being selfish. They right. think they're doing being, being selfless. They're letting go. So we don't have to suffer that they're here. It's completely obviously backwards. We don't feel that way, but I think that was explained a lot better than I could have grasped. And that helped uh, just hearing those stories. Yeah. You know, um, 
I, I think it's the ripple effect that I learned more about, you know, when somebody dies and they die by suicide, you're like, Oh wait, they died by suicide. And oftentimes people are like, how did they die? That for some reason, people want to know that. And I, I just want to share this. I didn't tell you guys this, but a friend of mine sent me a text yesterday. Her old best friend's husband just died by suicide. And what she wrote me is that the wife found him in such a state that she was trying to revive him, calling 911 and is so she said, I just don't know why the person who is attempting suicide isn't even thinking about how it's going to be when the person who finds them has to recover from the discovery. And I know we haven't talked about this at all, but she said, I don't think my friend will recover from that. I don't know how she can go on because it was too traumatic. And, um, I just, I thought it might, it was interesting enough, like important enough and powerful enough to bring up. And it kind of ties into with something I learned from Doc Andresky, who said children of parents who have died by suicide have a 300 to 800 times more likely chance of attempting suicide in their lives. So if you kill yourself, the people who find you are not only potentially affected in a negative way and maybe never able to get over it, but their children have a much higher chance of also moving in that direction. And it just was such an important stat and such a, I don't know, just powerful statement from my friend that I just felt like I needed to share it today to you too. Mm-hmm. You know what I wanted to add on to that? It made me think, and we talked about this before that the, I, the anger that comes in is the suicide loss survivor, the anger at that person who took their own lives. And I was just so mad at Steve. Like, how could he do this to me? He left me alone. And I had pictures of us all over the house and I was going to throw them all out. And I decided, no, I'm not going to throw them all out. Even though I'm pissed off, I'm going to put them in a box and put them in another room. And I'm so glad I did because now I look back at those mm-hmm. pictures and I'm so happy. Did I save them? I think that's, I think, again, we, we, I do feel like people need to know that um, because as, uh, as someone, I think someone feels alone, it makes the situation worse. So if you're suicidal or if you're a suicide loss survivor, you feel so alone. And I think for those of people want, we want company on the journey, don't we? And I think Gene, what you shared is so useful for people to know that it's completely normal to feel that way. Anger. I mean, you've got to feel every emotion I'm guessing. Yeah. That's a hundred percent normal. Well, and at the end of the day, can you move on and live a happy life and, and let go of the guilt, the shame, the anger? Can you do that? The unanswered questions. I don't know. I don't know if I can. It's been seven years. I'm still thinking about Steve and wishing things were different. I don't know. It's, it's always there. And I talk to Ruth and it's, it's other, other women who've lost their children. It's like, it's with you all your entire life. Yeah. It's compounded grief. I mean, when you lose a loved one, it's very difficult. When you lose a loved one to suicide, I think it's even worse because I've lost, obviously I lost my parents and, you know, I was very sad and upset, but it's nothing like what happened with Steve. Mm. Yeah. Well, and, you know, the goal wasn't to bring us all down 
into <laughs> a big hole today, but you know, to, to come together and give us all a little bit of closure on this incredible project that we put together. And I, I truly hope that it is helping people. I think it is by the, by the communication I've received. Um, and speaking of that, I think maybe this would be a good time for us to close out the conversation with some comments that we have publicly received from our listeners. What do you guys think? Are we ready to do this? I'm ready. I'm ready. Are you ready, Jean? All right. Well, this is just a handful. So what do you think? So let's take turns reading some of these. Sound good? Yeah. Let's All right. Do it. I'm going to start. Each of the episodes in this series has been so powerful. I'm grateful to your guests for being willing to share their stories and thank you for bringing these stories forward. I've been listening as depression and a near attempt has affected my family twice. It has educated and I believe helped put another hammer to breaking the stigma of suicide. I believe it saves lives. I lost my mom to suicide. Thank you for bringing awareness. This one's from a social worker. I think it's been a good place for people to share their experience and perspective in a space others can go to and find something they can connect with. I loved Adam's interview. Lots of good stuff in there. <laughs> I agree with that one. This one's going to be hard to read. Uh, thank you, Ruth, for your generosity and sharing your personal story about Jonathan. Never stop talking about it. <laughs> I can't say it. The world is definitely poor without him. I lost a friend to suicide. I miss him dearly. Looking forward to the series and shedding some light on this important topic. Thank you for doing this. I lost my brother to suicide a little over three years ago. Being on the other side and the ripple effects have driven me to learn as much as I can about mental illness and being aware and having awareness to all involved. We need to talk about it. I will share and tune in for sure. All right. Thank you for sharing this and the incredibly important understanding that mental illness is like any other sometimes fatal illness. Treatments are important and please God, we should have much better ones and much better results, but sometimes mental illnesses can also be treatment resistant. Every interaction I had with Steve was positive and real. I miss this guy. Thank you for bringing his spirit back into my life. <clears throat> Let's keep the conversation open and alive. I love it. Well done. Uh, Michael and Jean, <laughs> guess what? This did not end on a super happy, uplifting note. Well, I do want to thank you and Michael, Nicole, because I, I wasn't alone on this project. I wasn't alone. All the other ones, I was alone. I'm sorry. Aww. Well, Jean, Jean, this isn't the end. We will keep this conversation going. We hope to do exactly that. We are going to keep this important conversation open and alive. The series will live on as the Touched by Suicide podcast available wherever you listen to pods. I am beyond grateful to have had the opportunity to make this project a reality. It changed my life more than I ever expected. And I mean that. 
through this project, I've had countless conversations with people on all sides of suicide, not just the guests I interviewed, but so many others. And I truly feel that my contributions have made a difference and will help some people who desperately need it. And at the end of the day, doing meaningful work It's so important, especially the hard, heavy, emotional work. I think it's more important than anything else. So at the end of the day, this project woke me up to the fact that so many more people are suffering in silence than I ever knew. I just want to say that I am here for you, as are so many others. So if you're suffering, reach out now. It's been truly amazing. Thank you, Michael, for being a key player in this project as well. Oh, thank you for thank you for including me. And and I guess it, kind of as a parting word, I'll say, uh, well, definitely thanks, Gene. I love you, and I'll reach out more. We need to we need to not be alone, you and me. Anyone, you do not need to be alone. Um, and I'll say this: I I really believe that Steve's. Uh, his gift as he left our, our earthly world was to inspire these conversations. I think this was yeah. a eternal gift he was able to give, normalize the discussions of mental health and uh, mental health issues and, and suicide as a topic. And, and I, I thank and love Steve for that. It's, it's a hard way for him to give us this gift, but it's, it's much appreciated. Yeah. So well said. And Gene, let's end it here by giving you a huge hug and a huge thank you for making this happen. You truly are an angel. Thank you, Gene. Hey, it takes a village. I could have done it without you guys. When someone dies by suicide, it is common for the survivors to erase that part of their journey and not talk about how their loved one died. When this happens, it perpetuates the stigma around suicide, which makes it harder for people to reach out when they need help. Steve Tarpinian died by suicide in 2015, but he also left a beautiful legacy of love and support to many people. By sharing his story and talking openly about suicide, it is our goal to help people who are struggling reach out for the help they need before it is too late. And by offering a glimpse into the perspectives of those who are touched by suicide, we hope to help those who are struggling with suicide or are suicide loss survivors. Please remember, you are not alone. If you or someone you know is displaying suicide warning signs, please call the Suicide Prevention Hotline at 800-273-8255. Thank you for listening. Please share this podcast. You never know who might need to hear it right now.